This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with my good friend, John Beeler. Our show is all about the tech mobile world and, of course, apps. Hence the uh, the title. We've got a great program uh, today. Uh, later on, we'll be talking about uh, the new online game that is just sweeping the internet, Wordle. I know a lot of people have heard about it. You're seeing a lot of your friends sharing their scores in Facebook. Uh, I love what people share. And uh, we will also be chatting about cryptocurrencies. We've talked a lot about them on the program. Things like Bitcoin, Ethereum. It's still a mystery to a lot of people out there. Even me. Like, there's so much to know. We've got Gray Williams on the line. He's going to give us a primer on it. Like, starting from scratch. Just to kind of understand some of the different things going on there. And we're going to continue to do this on this show. Just so that uh, you can get educated. And, and more so, I can get educated <laughs> as well. Uh, John, are you an expert in cryptocurrencies? Oh, not by a long shot, but... Like you're one of the nerdier guys I know, and you actually have been trading in bit, you know, Bitcoin and, and what have you. But even you, well, you've got a lot to learn still, don't you? Well, absolutely, because there's a lot of sort of unknowns in that space. Like it's kind of like going to a mechanic and not, not understanding how cars work. You feel like you're getting ripped off. Yeah. Right. So you want to try to make sure that you have at least a good understanding of it. And I have a, a number of friends that have become. Bitcoin millionaires because they got it when it was basically free or, you know, negative to, to get a Bitcoin. Now they have hundreds of Bitcoins and they're worth millions of dollars now. So we're not saying invest your life savings in this. That's the key thing. By any stretch. As we'll talk with Gray, my strategy has been to treat it like going to the casino. Like I had a little bit of extra money one, one month and I'm like, I'm going to put a couple hundred bucks into crypto and just sort of see what happens. Whereas Gray has a much longer game going, I think, with crypto and his involvement in it. He's been in it since for a long time as well. So he knows a lot of the ins and outs and hardware wallets and things like that that we're not even going to have time to get to today. John, we could do like 20 shows on this and we're still scratching the surface. But I mean, we're going to start, right? And, yeah. And, well, and I, I think we'd also like to see what the, the listeners want to know about crypto like we're going to talk about sort of the basics today but you know do you have any specific questions about it or have you do you have any horror stories we can share love the horror stories well i don't love them but it's, i think it's important that people hear them as yeah, well because because i think it's it's really easy just like in a casino to sit there and spend all your money just keep going back to the atm uh, especially when you've tied your crypto wallet to your actual bank account or your credit card and, and, and most of these apps actually have limits on how much you can spend on a day, day-to-day basis, too. John, let's get in some of the, uh, the mobile news that we're looking at uh, this week. Um, this is continuing to be a, a big issue, John. Uh, I've done a number of interviews on this as well. 5G networks, they're rolling out across the world. This is the next generation of uh, connected internet, especially for mobile devices. You know, I think a lot of us are familiar with 4G. We've been using it for years now. 5G takes it to another level. Uh, yes, we will get some speed increase, but I think the big idea is that it's much more efficient at handling multiple devices. You know, as more devices get connected, not just our phones, but smart vacuums and smart homes and and all that that type of stuff, smart cities, the network has to be able to handle it. That's what 5G is offering. But there is a problem in that airlines and airports are concerned that 
5G signals, and especially, you know, specific ones, are interfering with the radio altimeters on airplanes. I didn't even know this was a thing, John. Yeah, this is referring to the C-band, which is basically the highest possible bandwidth and throughput you can get on 5G. The 5G we've had in Canada up until now is not the C-band. It's the slower bands, but it's still much faster than 4G, but it's nothing like what you can do with the proper C-band. And the problem is, is the frequencies of the C-band spectrum is very close to the spectrum that planes use for their navigation equipment. So the concern is, is that there's some bleed over or there's a pro- if there's a problem with someone's phone on a flight or near an airport, that could actually disrupt a pilot's ability to land the plane. So uh, the FCC down in the U.S., they've been studying this for years and they've basically come out and said, yeah, everything's cool. But the FAA, which governs, you know, air transportation, they've come back and said no. And so a lot of airlines, uh, you know, around the world now, especially coming in and out of the U.S., have uh, started rerouting or canceling flights because of this. And basically, the FAA is asking, you know, airports and, and, you know, the the cellular carriers like Verizon and AT&T to rethink their deployments around airports. Uh, They're talking about exclusion zones, at least two miles around any major airport. And the antennas uh, should be tilted down, not upwards. There's a number of other things uh, as as well. Uh, But I'm not a scientist, John. I I don't know everything about, you know, radio frequencies and that. But it's kind of concerning. I don't want to be on an airplane and it's foggy and the radio altimeter is not working. Yeah. Well, the, the 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 funny thing is, is there's great debate between those two agencies about whether this is an issue or not. One is saying yes, it's fine, and then the other one is saying no, it's a problem. <laughs> and the airlines don't want to be the first guinea pigs to try to land an airplane at a location that does have a say an improperly set up antenna for five yeah. G. So no it, one no one wants to be on that plane, like you said. No, no, of course not. And apparently it is different in other countries. So in Canada and uh, the European Union, they're using frequencies lower in, in, the, in the spectrum. So uh, this C-band you're talking about, John, is working, I think, between the 4.2 and 4.4 gigahertz frequencies. Look which, at you, Mr. Scientist. <laughs> thank you, Internet. <laughs> uh, and in Canada... I think, you know, the latest wireless spectrum auction basically was only at 3.7 gigahertz. In the European Union, they only go as high as 3.8 gigahertz. So it's not as much of a concern, apparently. I mean, still a concern, uh, but I think these other countries, European Union, are kind of treating it a little bit differently. Yeah, and and they've been operating in this space for a long time without any issue. Yeah. Because there's such a distance between those frequencies and what the 5G that they're using actually needs. And in the US, the spectrum buffer zone that they have is actually pretty narrow. But I don't know how unstable these frequencies are as far as you as a user of those frequencies with your phone or whatever other device that would be connecting to the 5G. Yeah. Is it always locked in at that specific frequency or does it go up and down, you know, as needed depending on how far away you are from the antenna that type of thing. And it's that wavering frequency that's the concern is like well what if something drops you know and these agencies don't want to have any what ifs you know if i was 
to step into this, John. I would I would basically say, hey, let's have a compromise. Have these exclusion zones, you know, two miles away from an airport, which everyone seems to get on board with, and do that for the next while. Like 4G still working really well for the yeah. most part. And then just figure it out. Like start doing the testing again so that both parties are satisfied. Yeah. But what do I know? Uh, let's move on to some other things. Safari and iOS users, which a lot of us uh, out there, your browsing activity might be being leaked in real time. What's this all about? Yeah, this is a little concerning. Apparently, there is uh, something in the Safari sort of back end that is in use on your Mac, so Safari 15, or any browser running on an iOS device. So that's iPads or iPhones. doesn't matter if it's Safari, Firefox, Chrome, doesn't matter because the base core system has a vulnerability in it that actually is potentially leaking your browsing data to somebody if they know how to deal with this. So if you go to safarileaks.com, you can actually see this and it'll detect a presence of more than 20 different websites that is leaking from other tabs. It doesn't matter which browser you're using on your phone. It only matters on, on your Mac, about Safari 15. And this hasn't been patched yet by Apple. So no, you can't do anything about it? No. It doesn't matter if you're in uh, incognito mode or private mode. doesn't matter. Great. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, we'll keep uh, the listeners uh, updated on, on what's happening uh, there. I just, I just got an update for my phone, like a beta update for iOS. So maybe it'll be patched in that this week. Oh, great. And it'll be out to the public next week. Okay. Could, could be fixed soon. Some lawsuits, John, happening between Ericsson and Apple right now, kind of back and forth. Yeah, it's, it was interesting. The first uh, article I saw about this was that Ericsson was suing Apple and they wanted to basically stop Apple from selling any of their devices, which is kind of a big deal. And it's a, over a bunch of patents, 12 different patents, and eight of which are about 5G patents that Apple's, Apple's using in their mobile products. So yeah. specifically your iPhones. These licenses expired in 2021 and uh, they were supposed to negotiate to renew them and the talks broke down. So now Apple is being sued by Ericsson. Uh, they charge a licensing fee of $5 per handset. That's basically the fee. But they've refused, Apple's refused to pay, apparently. And so now it's all sort of falling apart and going into courts. Apple's also countersuing them as well. So it's going to get messy before it gets cleaned up. But this stuff happens all the time, doesn't it, John? Like these yeah. tech companies suing each other because, you know, they all have patents on different technologies and services. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, I, I don't think it's going to affect anything immediately, unlike the Safari browser issue we just talked about. Yeah. But this is just basically Apple and Ericsson uh, fighting over uh, patents and royalties for those patents. We have a really great show here on the App Show for you today. Uh, we'll be talking about Wordle. Wordle, uh, a game that is sweeping the internet right now. So simple, all web browser based, and they only have one puzzle a day. So it's not like some addictive game, but uh, you're probably seeing it being shared up on your Facebook by all your friends, their scores. We'll tell you what it's all about. We're also going to be talking with Gray Williams, one of our uh, main contributors. He is going to give us kind of a tutorial 
all about cryptocurrencies, like everything you need to know to start understanding. And well, when I say everything you need to know, it's, <laughs> I think we'll be scratching the surface. I'm still trying to figure this whole world uh, out and uh, it, it's just changing and growing every single day. But I think it's important that everyone knows about it, like how it all works, because this is the future for a lot of different types of finance. And we will try to kind of demystify that so that Hopefully you can start understanding and hopefully I can start understanding a little bit better as well. You're listening to the app show here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back after this. You're back with the program. Mike and John here. Well, if uh, you've heard the past few weeks, there's a a new online game that uh, has become very, very popular. It's called Wordle. On the line, we've got one of our producers and contributors, Christina Stoyanova, to tell us all about it. Thanks for joining us, Christina. Thanks for having me back. So tell our listeners what Wordle is and where, where can you play this game? Wordle is a daily word game um, that's actually hosted online. You don't have to download an app or do anything fancy. You can just play it right from your browser. Um, and it's completely free. So there, it's a word puzzle a day that takes you um, just a few minutes. Um, and it's a really great way to to play a nice, fun social game. So, I, I for the first time I tried it this week because you know I, I've been hearing a lot about it, and uh, you know our office manager made me do it, Caitlin. Uh, and I thought, oh, who cares about this? But I'm addicted now. Like, and you only play once a day. You can't play anymore. Like once you've solved that or not solved it, it's it's over. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really nice, fun way to tackle this because uh, you're not getting addicted. You're not getting trapped on your phone for 15 minutes or an hour trying to solve puzzles. You just get that one little snack size puzzle a day. Um, I think the creator of this game actually equated it to having a croissant. <laughs> well, I gotta you don't be want on- too many. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be honest, it took me more than 15 minutes. You know, I was a little stumped. It did. Well, it was my first time, right? So I'm just trying to figure out all the, you know, the the bits of it. So you basically, uh, how many characters is it? Five characters, the word. Right. So it's five characters and you get six tries to to create this word. And it will allow you to guess a word right off the bat. And then it will let you know which characters are in that word and whether or not they're in the right spot. And based on that information, you get to make another guess. So the first time, you've just got to guess some random five-letter word. And from there, hopefully... You do. Yeah. But there are some... I guess there are some strategies. I've really been flying by the seat of my pants with this one. But there are some strategies experts are recommending. Wordle experts. <laughs> there's, are, there's already Wordle experts. I love that. Of course there are. <laughs> They're recommending that you you use three vowels in your first word and two consonants. Yeah, I wish I'd known that uh, because it, I, it took me up to six tries, but I did get it finally. But I, I got to be honest, I was stumped. Like it's just kind of a, it's an interesting game. John, have you tried it? I have, yeah. yeah. And how, do, how are you doing on it? Well, my biggest issue isn't with the game itself. I think like Christina, it is brilliant <laughs> and it is simple and there's no ads or you don't have to pay for anything. And, and it seems to be this uh, shared communal experience. My only issue with it is all my friends that are spamming the crap out of my social media. Oh yeah. All over Facebook, w- right? Right. This is like CrossFit information I didn't need to know, right? 
cool. You worked <laughs> out your brain. Awesome. Move on. Have another croissant. <laughs> but I mean, the main I thing. I think it's. I think it's a way to bring us all together. And I think that was the goal for the creator. Um, I read an interview that he gave, and I guess this was a way for he and his partner to connect over the pandemic and, you know, have um, have a little bit of downtime in the mornings. We're talking about Wordle. We've got Christina Stoyanova on the line. Uh, you've been playing it for a while now. Do you get do you solve it every day or have you missed it? Honestly, I haven't been playing it for a while. It's only been this week. Um, and the reason is, is because I thought it was going to be one of these addictive things that was going to hijack me for hours. And it wasn't until I tried it and realized that I only get one puzzle a day that I really got into it. Um, but so far, my statistics are pretty good. I haven't needed all six tries even once. So I don't know what you're doing, bro. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I want to thank you for joining us. And if you want to play it, just search up Wordle on Google and it'll lead you right to the website. When we come back from the break, oh, John, you have something? Well, just <coughs> remind people there is no app to download. There's a lot of copycat apps on yep. the Android and iOS store. And it's like whack a mole. Apple and Google have just been removing them like crazy because people are just trying to cash in on this. Just go to the website, powerlanguage.co.uk slash Wordle. Or search for that. <laughs> I yeah. can't remember all of that. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Time to talk cryptocurrencies and, and the blockchain. And we're going to try to keep it as simple as possible today. There's so much happening in that world right now. So I thought it would be good to explore it again. I myself, I'm still trying to figure it all out. There's just uh, so many different pieces to it. We've got uh, one of our uh, main hosts uh, with us as well today. His name is Gray Williams. Thanks for coming on again, Gray. Always happy to be here. Where do we even start with uh, cryptocurrencies now, Gray? I mean, I think a lot of people have heard of Bitcoin. Uh, they've heard of uh, Bitcoin mining. That's still kind of a, a mystery to a lot of people. But where would you start if you had to you know, try to explain to someone uh, cryptocurrency and, you know, some of the steps to start getting into exploring that world. Sure. Well, if we're starting right from scratch and we're looking to explore that space, the easiest way to get in, the, in there is to use an app. And so there are a number of apps here in Canada that you can use to get into cryptocurrency. Now, we're not talk, going to talk quite about how you, what you do with these things yet, but if you're looking for apps right now, there's one called Newton, uh, there's one called ShakePay, and there is Crypto.com. And what these do is they let you take regular money, fiat, currency, and turn that into the cryptocurrency of your choice. ShakePay does uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, Newton does a whole range of cryptocurrencies, as does Crypto.com. So basically being able to send e-transfer to yourself and then turn that into a cryptocurrency, great. Now you've got some. Now what do we do with it? Well, with cryptocurrency, Bitcoin was the original. And it was conceived as digital cash, right? You know, I have some. I can send it to you. I don't have to get a bank involved. I can send it anywhere around the world. And if you've got family anywhere else in the world that you've tried to send money to, you know that can be a very expensive and time-consuming process. Whereas with Bitcoin or with Ethereum or with any of these other cryptocurrencies, you could send it around the world in seconds and it would cost you fractions of a cent depending on the blockchain that you're using. So that's kind of how you get into it. But the question that you asked is, you know, like, what are we using these things for? In the last two or three years, we've actually seen the rise of something called decentralized finance. 
And this is actually kind of the core of what Bitcoin was at to begin with, which was it was a decentralized currency. You know, in the last year or so, we've seen the, the American government and the Canadian government print a heck of a lot more money so that we could all be able to pay for things in the last little while. And that's caused inflation. It's kind of on everyone's mind right now. A lot of these cryptocurrencies are inherently deflationary because they will burn parts of this currency or it will be removed from the market as people are transacting, which will keep inflation at a low. A lot to take in there. Um, you called real world money like a Canadian dollar or U.S. dollar f- fiat currency. Yes. Yeah. And so when you put um, money into some of these apps and you buy. So if I put, let's say, $100 into uh, the crypto.com app and I buy, let's say, Bitcoin, what kind of transaction fee is happening there? Depends on the network. And so with Bitcoin, you know, you're going to pay a certain amount of fees to get that across. And you'll see these, these fees vary from place to place, just like they will from bank to bank. Um, and so, you know, some apps will give you a better uh, spread on things. Some apps will take more, but they'll give you more convenience. So it's a bit of a trade back and forth. Um, with Ethereum, and this has been a concern with Ethereum for a while, the transaction fees are called gas fees. And basically they go up and down based on how congested the network is. And when the network's really busy, you can pay a lot of money on that, <clears throat> which is why some apps or some uh, blockchains like the Terra blockchain or the Avalanche blockchain, um, they actually you know, advertise like low or no fees to be able to send things back and forth to each other. So that's one of the benefits of some of these newer, the people are calling them altcoins as they popped up. So can you give us a ballpark though? Like let's say I wanted to buy $100 of Bitcoin, like what kind of ballpark transaction fee am I paying? You know, so for example, like uh, with, with um, the Terra network, which I've just sort of invested in, um, you're looking at in some cases three cents or five cents to make a you know thousand dollar, two thousand dollar purchase worth of cryptocurrency. And does that go both ways when you're buying and selling? Yes. Uh, so you you talked about these different blockchain networks. Like I I always thought that the blockchain was just one one kind of blockchain around the world, um, kind of like the internet is. So, but you're saying there's different blockchains. What would you like in a blockchain too, like a bank? The blockchain is actually sort of the backbone network of all the banks talking to each other. Yeah. And so with cryptocurrencies, the banks are removed from that equation and we become that network with each other. Uh, with proof of work networks like Bitcoin and what, where Ethereum is now, those are where your Bitcoin miners are, right? That's, where, that's the work that they're doing is basically creating the network that these transactions can be, can be processed and approved through. Uh, we're moving to something new called proof of stake, wherein uh, the, the amount that you have invested in the network and delegated in the network gives you the opportunity to transact all of those things together. And it's actually quite a bit more ecologically friendly. So again, when you're talking about this Terra blockchain, is that different than like the Bitcoin blockchain? Yes, it is. And probably one of the biggest things here is that Terra has something called a stable coin, which I think a lot of people have been looking for in cryptocurrency. Because... We've all seen how Bitcoin can be quite volatile, right? And a lot, a lot of cryptocurrencies can be quite volatile. Prices will go up, prices will go down. And it's hard to buy something with you know, a Bitcoin today, knowing that it might be worth twice as much tomorrow. Whereas the stablecoin, uh, in this case, it's called UST, US Terra, um, is actually algorithmically pegged to maintain a $1 value equal to that of one US dollar. So it's very easy now to know that if I've got one of these, it's one of these today, it's one of these tomorrow, and it buys what a dollar will buy. And so we're seeing a lot of these stablecoins pop up. Um, Terra has an algorithmically derived stablecoin, so there's no centralized body that can print more of them or remove, remove more of them. It's basically the blockchain there is now controlling that stablecoin. And so 
when you've got Terra, when you've got Avalanche, when you've got Ethereum, you've got Bitcoin, you now have blockchain choice. And you can basically take a look at these things. And as you start to understand them, pick a blockchain that suits your needs. So when you're talking about the blockchain, I'm just going to use Bitcoin again because people have heard of it. When I sell, say, for example, I have $100 worth of Bitcoin and I'm selling it. Is someone having to buy that? Kind of, you know, when you're selling your stock, someone has to buy that stock, right? Yes. And so in, in this case, you know, there are no shortage of buyers, but there are also, uh, you know, uh, institutional buyers that are buying up a lot of Bitcoin and a lot of cryptocurrency. Um, and there are exchanges, both centralized exchanges where somebody at that exchange is buying it, or a decentralized exchange where somebody around the world is looking to buy Bitcoin or they're looking to buy UST. They can buy that from you through that decentralized exchange. And so it's, you know, we're starting to see that with cryptocurrency, with the rise in popularity, it's very, very rare that you'll find that you'll have something that you do not, that you want to sell that someone won't want to buy. We're talking with Gray Williams all about cryptocurrencies. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we will get more into this uh, crazy world and even talk about how you can even earn interest on some of these. You're listening to the app show back after this. You are back with the program, Mike and John here. We're talking about cryptocurrencies today, trying to make it a little more understandable. We've got uh, our good friend, Gray Williams, in here with us. Uh, Gray, how long have you been into the whole crypto world, cryptocurrency world? Uh, This is dating back to around 2013. Wow. Yeah, that's a few years. John, you've been into it for a while as well. Yeah, definitely not as long as Gray has, but uh, probably about uh, six months to a year, maybe. And, and what, what cryptocurrencies are you having fun with right now? Well, I, I use Coinbase, which is a, another app that, like Graham mentioned, that makes it really easy for you to just sort of link up your either your credit card or your bank account, whatever you, however you want to pay for these things with real money, and also how you want to get it out. Um, and I, I had a, a small little amount that I put in, and I bought a bunch of different ones, just kind of like the trending ones at the time. Dogecoin, made famous by Elon Musk. I bought a little bit of that. And actually, I bought 2 million of those coins, and it was like 10 bucks, 20 bucks, something like that. It was a very, <laughs> very small amount. And yeah. It's worth very little, but it's worth more than what I paid for. So there's that. And then I have Bitcoin, Ethereum. I have a few other Shibu Inu, which is another dog-based coin. Um, and, and you're doing that all through Coinbase? Yeah. It's just one of those things that... It's kind of, to me, it almost feels like Monopoly money because I have such a small stake in it. Yeah. I'm sure Gray has a bit more involved. But um, it's kind of fun because you, you get alerts saying, hey, Ethereum's up for the last eight hours. And you can go and look and you see the trends and, you know, it's hockey sticking straight up or it's dropping. But, you know, that's the volatility of these things. I, I like what Gray was mentioning about the stable coins, though. That sounds like a little bit more predictable if you were looking to actually legitimately invest. I'm, I consider what I'm doing just sort of gambling. I'm, I'm at yeah. the casino. Kind of more even a hobby almost just for fun. Yeah. Well, just, yeah. just so I understand how it all works and, and uh, have a little stake in it. I mean, there's, there was a time where a couple of my coins were worth quite a lot more than I paid. They've since sort of leveled back down to a little bit more, but I'm still up which is yeah. not what I can say for our recent visit to Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gray, uh, so we're talking all about, uh, you know, these different cryptocurrencies. You talked about stable coins uh, that are actually pegged to real world currencies like the U.S. dollar. What are some examples of stable coins? So uh, 
UST and US Terror is probably the, the most famous one. Uh, that, sorry, not, 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 not the most famous one, the one that I'm most deeply invested in. Uh, there is USDT, which is Tether, and USDC, um, which is from Coinbase. And so both of those are centralized stable coins. And the reason why I haven't gone down that road is because um, blockchain is about decentralization. That was, that was what Bitcoin was about, was basically taking that centralized entity and removing it from the equation. Because the problem with the centralized stablecoin is that at any point, that entity has control of it, which means that they're at the behest of regulators or there is sort of nefarious purpose going on inside. So a lot of us have kind of looked at that and said, okay, we're looking at decentralized stablecoins, uh, DAI being one of them, uh, which is backed by USDC, uh, and then Tether being the other. Um, it's interesting because with these stable coins, you can actually have a stable coin for every currency around the world. Um, so UST is US Terra. Uh, Canadian T is CAT, which there are a lot of dog coins out there. We now have a cat coin. <laughs> uh, so, Gray, can you make interest on these investments like a bank? You can, yes. So with the proof of stake networks, when you were staking your uh, cryptocurrency with a delegator. Um, you're getting, you're getting confusing now, Gray. <laughs> yes. So you basically put your money up into an account, um, which is called staking, and you'll get rewards for doing that. Um, there are also financial products in decentralized finance. Uh, Anchor Protocol on the Terra network has an interest account, a savings account that is 20% interest roughly. But that sounds too good to be true, Gray. So here's the thing. It is algorithmically defined within the network. Um, there is a reserve that is backing that currently. And so... You know, they're, they're saying right now, 19.45 is where that savings account is. The long-term uh, goal for that savings account is 17%, which is still pretty darn close. Well, that's better than most other investment. Like if you put in the bank right now, a savings account, what is like 2% or something crazy? If you're lucky. Yeah. And so I've got, and that, that's, that's, you know, 19% on a stable coin. So it's not that you're risking it going up or going down while it's in there. But again, it's algorithmically, algorithmically defined. So we're looking at 19%, you know, for however long you want. Just put the money in there. It's compounding. So this is, this is the type of savings account I think that a lot of people have been looking for. It's safe. It's easy. And it generates the interest that you want it to. But when you say it's safe and it's decentralized, like that's, I mean, I'm, I'm reading all the time all these guys getting hacked and they're losing all their cryptocurrency. Like, how can you say it's safe? Well, so here in Canada, we have the CDIC. Right, which is your insurance on your bank deposit. Yes. You, you get that as part of the service that you get from your bank. Um, you can actually get deposit insurance on your cryptocurrency as well, which really? will defend against it becoming depegged against the dollar and will also defend, depend against something like a, an exchange hack. So it's stable. It's doing the thing that it said it's going to do. And you can get the same sort of reliability insurance that you can from your bank right now. Well, how do you get that insurance? Is it automatic when you invest in these things? Uh, there's a little button right beside it that says you can pay 1% to have your deposit insured. I still don't understand how they can pay that much. So if it's a stable coin, it's, it's not like a lot of people invest in cryptocurrencies because they hope that it's just going to double in value or triple or whatever. And that's where you make the money. With a stable coin, it's not going to go up dramatically, is it? Because it's just pegged to a Canadian or a U.S. dollar. Right. And so you've got this interest here where you can generate those gains. If you think of it this way, every transaction that you process with your debit card, with your credit card, everything that you put through, put through in your bank, your bank is making massive amounts of money and transaction fees and interest on it. No. And, we, and with our <laughs> accounts right now, we're being passed half a percent, one percent, one and a half percent. Now, imagine if that entity did not exist anymore. 
And all of that profit was now funneled back to the users. That's how they can pay that type of interest on that type of account. But the, the governments must be freaking out about this kind of stuff. Yes, they are. And so there are, you know, essentially derived uh, cryptocurrencies. And these are basically countries looking to come up with their own cryptocurrency. Um, and yeah, I think they're, quite frankly, I think all of them are too little too late. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of countries now starting to adopt Bitcoin as they're bringing it into their system. Um, is there a way for the Canadian government to participate in this? Absolutely. Like all of this stuff is tracked on the blockchain. We're going to pay taxes on this. And that's okay. That's how our country runs. We're supposed to pay taxes on things. What this does do is it takes the folks out there who are hiding money from the government and not paying taxes on it, the 1%, and puts them in a position where now we can see the transactions that they're, they're conducting. This is actually better for all of us. So when you, you're talking about um, um, these crypto proof-of-stake accounts, whatever you want to call them, uh, you talked about one on the Terra blockchain anchor protocol God, there's still so much to, to learn there. Uh, you know, anywhere between 17 to 19 percent on that. Um, obviously, you're, you're getting gains on that, and yes. that is taxable, and the government will know. Yeah. So basically, with the way that cryptocurrency works right now, is your paid cap your paid capital gains on when you bring it back into the fiat network. Yeah. And so it's the same sort of capital gains that you have on any other investment. Um, and there are actually tax processors out there that will take a look at your blockchain. Take a look at where you went in, take a look at where you came out and say, this is the amount of tax that you owe. Great. I'm going to have to cut you off. We are out of time. Uh, we're going to have to get you on again because I think we're just scratching the surface here. And we just want to keep uh, you know, educating our audience on what this whole world is all about. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. When we come back from the break, uh, we're going to chat a little bit about uh, Doug Ford and uh, how he's combating distractive, distracted driving. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike and John here. A little bit of time left. Uh, we talked uh, about cryptocurrency. Uh, if you want to start trying to get into this and understand it, and please don't invest your life savings, uh, we've got a, a referral code uh, up on our website, uh, gcpix.com. G-C- <laughs> getting it wrong already. gcpix.ca. And uh, if you sign up and use our referral code, you'll get 25 bucks. I think you have to put a bit of money in, but uh, again, 25 bucks is nothing to sneeze at. John, uh, distracted... Driving, big thing. Obviously, you don't want to be using your phone while you're driving, but Doug Ford in Ontario seems to have other ideas. <laughs> yeah, he was doing a live FaceTime call on the news talking about the weather situation in Toronto, which recently had a big dump of snow. And he thought it would be a good idea to actually be driving while he's doing this. So let me get this straight. He's actually advertising the fact that he's doing distracted driving to the media in a, a live press call live tv feed yeah <laughs> you can see out his window he is literally moving unless he's being towed because it's it's he has his phone literally it looks like in his cup holder so it's the up the nose angle yeah that everyone loves especially on live tv oh my god why wouldn't he just pull over and yeah do it properly who needs netflix in canada when you have these politicians <laughs> eh, John? Uh, I want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together. Of course, John Bueller, my friend, co-host, and uh, producer, and the rest of the team back at the ranch. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.